that's good news. Let's talk about elections and electioneering and the rest of that. Pierre Polyev says Trudeau's cabinet spends a fortune to retreat and talk about the same things they've talked about and failed at doing for eight years. Housing costs, which have doubled, inflation, which is rising, and the middle class, which is poorer. The Team Trudeau needs a permanent retreat at their own expense. Yeah, yes, they do. Rex Glacier is responding to City News. The federal cabinet is in Montreal for a three-day retreat and cost of living issues for Canadians are expected to dominate the talks. Well, there you go, right? Ooh, great. These politicians who have been actively trying to harm Canadians' ability to afford everything from food to housing are going to talk about the middle class. Actually, they're going to bring in experts to tell them about the middle class because they have absolutely no idea what the middle class is going through. They couldn't imagine it. Um, Rex Glazer says, only Trudeau liberals think holding a luxury retreat after six weeks of vacation to talk about the cost of living issues makes sense. Yep, right. Andrew Shear is responding to this. Abigail says, and Abigail is an MP, I believe. Oh, no, she's an Ottawa correspondent. Um, and so she's a CBC person, I guess. Um, maybe not CBC. She is, uh, I, I don't Oh, Global News. Um, and she says, the Liberal cabinet retreat kicks off in Montreal. Ministers are currently filing in for a working dinner, while this group of five announces a national summit to fight car theft to be held in Ottawa next month. Since Justin Trudeau was elected in 2015, car thefts are up, says Andrew Scheer, 34% in Canada, 106% in Montreal, 217% in Toronto. The Liberal plan? Call in a meeting in Ottawa to talk about it. Common sense conservatives will end liberal catch and release policies and bring home safe communities. This looks like the um, increase in robots in the Amazon factories, in the Amazon warehouses, right? Like, holy smoke, look at that. Look at that curve. It's a hockey stick. Dane says, after eight years in, and he's responding to Abigail as well, after eight years of this liberal government, car thefts are at an all-time high. Car thefts fund organized crime. Car thefts drive up all Canadians' insurance premiums. Car thefts traumatize Canadian families. It's time to end the liberal catch-and-release crime agenda. So Dane is a shadow emergency emergency preparedness minister or conservative MP. Um, so there you go. And that's uh, interesting. The... Uh, close like they sound very similar it's messaging that not necessarily they've been told to do but maybe suggested right um, when when politicians all do the same thing then there's a reason for it usually and the reason is somebody sent out an email saying this might be a good thing to promote our bring it home agenda right so there you go uh, canada proud is reporting this now all of these angus reed polls are with like a thousand people 2500 people they're online surveys these are not polls in the strictest sense. Now, some of them are polls. Sometimes you get phone polls that are weighted, that are properly done, but an online survey, while it may be weighted, still doesn't count as a poll. Like sometimes you get a weighted online survey, but not often either, because sometimes you don't answer the question like, what age group are you? And so on and so forth. And people can stack the poll, right? But what happens is um, like if, if your age group is not accepted and you still want to be counted in the poll, then you can say you're 65 plus or you're, you know, whatever age group is accepted still and, and have your say and it'll skew the data. But oftentimes when I see things like this, um, it's a thousand people online. And I think that that's not, that's not an accurate representation. If you ask a thousand random people, like where, where are you getting, th getting them from? Are they all Angus Reed members? So always take these things with a grain of salt. And also they're there to influence public policy, public policy, public opinion. Um, and so, and sometimes policy. So what are they saying today? 
right? Maybe this thousand people, maybe 2,500 people, but certainly not a representative sample of Canada. They say the liberals, or excuse me, the conservatives are on track for 222 seats. This is as of January 21st. That's yesterday, 2024. The liberals are 53 seats, which is the lowest I've seen them. The bloc is in third place with 41 seats. The NDP have 25 seats and the Greens still have two seats. I don't know how anybody could vote for Elizabeth May. <laughs> Honestly, the, the welcome back Cotter skit alone is enough to just disqualify her completely, but really. So anyway, I think that's interesting. Um, the liberals are very, very weak, and I, I think they can. I think they could still weaken, um, because, well, even just this retreat um, is is signaling that they really have no idea how to pull out of this self-imposed death spiral. Because all of their policies are the things that are making them unpopular, right? All of their policies are contributing to the cost of living. The immigration policies are contributing to the the rise of rent. And, and cost of living crisis with regard to housing, not just food and not just transportation, all the rest of it, right? Their policies are the things that are causing it. Their taxes, their things. So if they start their their crown jewels of their electoral plan, right? And so if they start dismantling that, well, they're not going to get their agenda passed. But I think that like it's a push and pull, right? So we're gonna they're going to pass over to Pierre Polyev. He's going to continue. Under, he's going to continue building 15-minute cities around transportation. He's going to get a big mandate to build housing and to use the prime ministerial federal government to to encourage municipalities to build through all sorts of different means. And we Canadians are going are being bamboozled into thinking that Pierre Polyev is going to fix the problems when really it's it was a plan all along, like Trudeau's. Trudeau's raised the taxes and done all of these things, and now he's kind of he's kind of accomplished what he's needed to accomplish. I think everybody gets goals, stretch goals, and then like when you're done, you kind of get shuffled out, and people and new people replace you. So I think Mr. Polyev is coming in to do his his part for this whole plan, right? So and he and he'll frame it like oh, I'm building houses, and people are going to like it. And they're not going to see how insidious the whole thing is. Lori Goldstein says the liberals have been in power for eight years, briefed by countless experts, and they still don't know. Trudeau cabinet to hear from experts on middle class, Canada, U.S., and housing during pre-parliament retreat on in Montreal on January 21st to 23rd. So that's today. And they're being briefed on by experts on the middle class. I mean, I wonder who the experts are. Like, who do they get, right? Jan Arden? Um, Alvaro, Amanda Alvaro? Jeepers Creepers. These are liberal insiders who are paid paid off liberal insiders to tell them what the, you know, the, the regular common folk are, the problems they're experiencing. Um, nobody can afford rent. That's the problems they're experiencing. That's the problems that the citizens are experiencing. But these guys say that's a right-wing talking point, right? Any any problems, any criticisms of this liberal government have become a right-wing talking point. That's a right-wing dog whistle, right? Thanks, Rachel Gilmore. Um, TMG says, I'm speechless, not that not at the star for posting this propaganda, but at Trudeau's people for thinking that it might be effective. I expect Trudeau to I expect this I expect Trudeau to be this naive, but holy cow, who approved this? This is the Sunday star. It's him and not you, and he knows that Justin Trudeau on why some voters' opinion of him won't change no matter what he does. Um, again, it's the victimhood. Oh well, you know, yes, it's me and I'm not gonna change, but these people, it's their intolerance. 
Pierre Polyev says the Davos billionaires board their private jets after lecturing the world's working people about heating their homes and driving to work. I will ban all my ministers from any involvement in the World Economic Forum. But he's got a bunch of World Economic Forum advisors. There's a lot of questions. I, have, I still have questions. So, you know, it's... And the whole idea of smearing Bernier for going to Davos when he went to Davos at the behest of the CPC and the Harper government is just peak Canada at this point in time. I mean, don't listen, don't listen to history. Listen to our version of history and only our version of history. Financial Post is reporting Canada on track to miss financial fiscal targets aimed at keeping deficit under control. Awesome. This isn't a very well-written article, but it's only like 10 seconds, so I'll read it. Um, one of Canada's largest business groups says Prime Minister Trudeau's government is unlikely to follow through on its latest pledge to control its budget shortfalls. In November, Finance Minister Christia Freeland added new fiscal objectives during the government's update from the, of the country's finances, including a goal of keeping deficits below 1% of GDP starting in the 26-27 fiscal year. Canada has a lower government debt burden than many other advanced economies, and the new targets play an important role in showing fiscal restraint. The government has argued Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem called the new guardrails helpful to monetary policy. I love when they use quotes around a single word. Could you, could you elaborate on how this is helpful, please, Mr. Macklem? We'll just use that one word. Thanks. Great. Um, but the government has systemically disregarded its past, past fiscal goals. Like, do you remember the fiscal anchors of yesteryear for, for Christia Freeland, right? Like blown right through within a, I, probably a couple of weeks. She asks for money that for corporations that don't exist. Like it will exist soon, she says. What does it do? They ask. And she doesn't have an answer. She just has a disappointed or, or upset kind of like... Um, scrunched up face response, and that's it. <laughs> the government has systemically disregarded its past fiscal goals, raising doubts about its latest promise, according to a new report from the Business Council of Canada. To meet their proposed deficit target, they'll either need much stronger than expected economic growth, or they have to make substantial program cuts ahead of an election. Not going to happen, in other words, said the report author Robert Aslan, the council's senior vice president of policy and a former advisor to Freeland's professor, predecessor, Bill Morneau. So it's bro it's not going to happen. It's like it's like saying, don't worry, we're going to double the number of houses we're going to build. <laughs> and saying that with a straight face and thinking that we're all going to believe you. Like, that's not possible, period, period. Just ask Elon Musk if you don't believe me. Uh, Greg is responding to Stephanie Cousy. Stephanie Cousy and the liberal, excuse me, conservative party um there it seems like they're playing the same game and here's stephanie Cousy, very excited about getting pierre polyev elected she says we're going to you know elect pierre polyev and it's going to be great here we go Cousy, member of parliament for calgary minnipore you might recognize this beautiful woman beside me josephine pond the, the former provincial minister for alberta i've got a great team here tyler connor emil we just finished our day of action in Calgary Skyview, it is resounding. People want Pierre Polyev as their prime minister. People want a change in government. And we are so excited to be a part of the, the uh, day of action here in Calgary Skyview today. Get out, support a local candidate, help make Pierre Polyev the prime minister. It is the change we need here in So if Polyev becomes prime minister, she becomes, she's the minister of finance or she becomes the uh, minister of the treasury board, excuse me. And then the ministry of the treasury board is in control of the trilateral Con commission representation of Canada to the trilateral commission, basically. Um, so Greg says we shouldn't trust anyone affiliated with the trilateral commission. And I don't think he's far off. I think that we should have 
a government. I, I, well, I'll tell you, there's, um, I'll, tell, I'll tell you about it in just a second. We're going to get there any minute. Pierre Polyev says, incoming liberal leader Mark Carney <laughs> told WEF that central bankers did a great job over the last few years. He's right. They did a great job making people like him fabulously wealthy by inflating the assets of super rich, of the super rich, while robbing the buying power of workers' paychecks and senior savings. I will end money printing and axe the inflation tax to protect the power of paychecks and pensions. So there you go. He's addressing Mark Carney and his monetary policy and maybe um, acknowledging that is Trudeau stepping out? Maybe, maybe not. Mark Carney deserved an attack from the conservative leader. So there you go. That's worth noting, regardless of, you know, who Mark Carney is. It's interesting, right? Uh, Son of a Bench says, there's a lot of chatter about Mark Carney replacing Justin Trudeau. Mark is presently UN Special Envoy for Climate Action and Finance, part of the WEF Global Elites. Could this even happen? Will Mark Carney replace Justin Trudeau as the leader of the Liberal Party of Canada? And the the poll says no by 58%. So there you go. That's interesting, right? Um, Hold on. I had to move this from another series of tabs, but Peter Sweden, this is what I think should happen in Canada. Peter Sweden says, Irish farmers have now started their own political party called the Farmers Alliance. This after talks that the government could slaughter 200,000 cows to meet the new climate goals. So I think that Canada should have a trucker party or a farmer party or a trucker farmer united party. And the whole premise of the party would be to investigate the um, the sending all the money to Ukraine, where it went, uh, investigate the $600 million, $600 billion missing um, receipts from Catherine McKenna, investigate the malfeasance that has gone on in the government since 2015 and maybe before that, and really investigate it, replace the, re- replace the corrupt uh, bureaucrats, th- like fix the government. That's it. Like not send money to Ukraine, stop foreign aid, um, there's there's so many there's so many things and it's it would be a very complex electoral calendar like you would have to do a lot but i think that i think that the more people who are unaffiliated with the swamp to use the current vernacular getting into parliament and getting into government would be a great way to fix things which is why i think that it would never happen in canada because our elections are completely rigged and stolen um but what do i mean by that oh here's the dominion machines that this guy, George is, George is relaying this thing that happened in a courtroom yesterday in the United States. Yesterday in court, Michigan University professor and voting machine expert Alex J. Haldeman hacked into a Dominion voting machine and changed vote totals while only using a pen in front of the judge. Judge Amy T. should immediately issue an order halting the use of these demonic machines. The Georgia legislature also created a law that mandates hand counting of all ballots. The days of Fannie Willis, Stacey Abrams, Brian Kempf, and Brad Raffensperger are over. Their gaslighting is falling apart in real time. Trump was right. The 2020 election was stolen. Stolen, yeah. Ours too. Ours too. Nikki says, Canada uses Dominion voting machines in our provincial elections. It's time to demand paper ballots for all elections across Canada. Um, we also have paper ballots that are tabulated. So they're not like they use, instead of saying they're counting machines or anything like that, they're called tabulation machines. And so that's different, obviously, right? 338 random truckers, random farmers, random business people would be better to run our country than the people who are running our country right now, period, period. And like taking half of the people running our country and replacing them with a group of people who have been in universities waiting their turn um, in other ideologically captured institutions waiting their turn for power, doing that is going to result in the same, the same 
problems we've been dealing with for the last decade and more. Um, let's talk about housing. Ooh, that's fun. Bruce McGonigal is responding to Contrarian, and Contrarian says, this is no joke, this is actually happening. Another 70 to 90,000 Ukrainians are expected to arrive in Canada before March 31st. Just put that into perspective, that is 1,285 people per day or 9,000 people per week. Great. Where are they going to live? Where are they going to live, right? Um, Jagmeet Singh, hold on. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Jagmeet Singh in just a second. Um, Holly Doan, where are they going to live? Holly Doan is reporting feds open vacant Ottawa federal building for use as a warming center by the homeless. Vacancy rates in federal buildings nationwide average has as high as 40%. Where are they going to live? Ooh, I think I found some buildings. I think I found some supply, right? Um, and I'm not advocating for this. I'm saying once these people are here, they're going to say, oh, no, there's a crisis because we need houses for the Ukrainians. And then they're going to, the government's going to say, Slava Ukraine, we're going to give them these, right? And nobody's going to question it. Like, oh yeah, here's some government buildings in the heart of downtown that cost like a crap ton of money. Luxury apartments are being built on the government's dime, taxpayers' dime, yours and my dime for foreigners arriving from a war that we're funding that they're going to lose. Like, what, are we just going to wholesale import the entire population of Ukraine to Canada? Like, is that, is that the plan, right? We'll have Palestine in Saskatchewan, little Ukraine in Alberta. Like, what else do we want? Like, what's happening here? What's happening is purposeful destruction of the country. Jagmeet Singh is responding to, or using a press progress to smear Polyev. Press progress is an ideologically captured um, paper, newspaper, that is given money by the Trudeau government, I think. Um, and they produce reports that are nonsense, nonsense mostly. Um, but they're, they say big real estate executives among top donors to Pierre Polyev's conservatives. So this was created to smear Polyev. And Greg Mead's using it to do just that. He says, when conservatives got into power in Ontario, they removed rent control for new developments. The result, $2,600 a month for one bedroom. No, it's not the 90,000 new Ukrainians coming in. That's not it. That's not doing it, says Jagmeet Singh. It's Pierre Polyev in 2010 with the candlestick <laughs> in Harper's cabinet, right? Like not happening, dude. I'm, I don't believe him. I think that it's a bad attack. I think that it's stupid because he's the only one propping up the government that's flooding our country that's actually causing this. He's the one propping up the government, increasing the carbon tax, making the, the affordability crisis worse. He's the one doing those things. Him, not Pierre Polyev. Anyway, moving on. CBC is talking about linking immigration to the housing shortage, maybe missing the problem, experts say. So they're trying to, um, they're trying to say that this, this isn't really a problem. We need to have more people, not less. That's the argument they're making. Canada now has more than 2.5 non-permanent residents, a number of experts uh, say are driving up rents. With rising rents and housing and house prices making it increasingly hard to find affordable places to live, some are pointing the finger at Canada's record-level immigration rates. Immigration is not the only thing putting a strain on the housing market. High interest rates, increased building costs, and red tape at the municipal level can slow down or halt some constructions are all part of the picture. But to tackle the pressure being created by immigration, some are now openly discussing forging a public, poli public policy link between how many people Canada takes in each year and the state of the country's housing stock. It's very simple math. If you have more families coming than you have housing for them, it's going to inflate housing prices. I think I've made that argument before. <laughs> Conservative leader, leader Pierre Polyev told an audience in Winnipeg recently. Pierre Polyev has, has offered few details on how a government led by him would handle immigration, but he did say it would take three factors into 
consideration. We have been we have to bring the immigration numbers in line with the number of houses that are built. He said the growth in immigration should not exceed the amount of housing stock we add, the number of doctors we add, and the available jobs. Number of doctors to serve patients, right? We don't have enough doctors for the current population. Um, the liberals are all, all have also acknowledged the number of people coming into the country is making ha- the housing crisis worse. But experts and economists say that targeting immigration broadly won't bring the cost of housing down. What's required, they say, is a more nuanced approach. So that's, I mean, it's interesting. Um, and they're realizing that they have 53 seats projected and they have to change what the perceived policy is. They're not actually going to change the policy because Pierre, Poli- Pierre Polyev is not even going to change the policy, uh, but they have, to, they have to change what people believe the problem is, what people believe the solution is um, in order for, it, for their narrative to continue. And like they're trying to do that in real time. Mary's responding to the headline of the article we just read of linking immigration to the housing shortage may be missing the problem. So she says, let's lay blame where it belongs squarely at the corrupt liberal NDP coalition and every one of their MPs and policymakers. Um, And Folkish AU says it happens in all Aryan countries. If housing demand is higher than housing supply, the price of house goes up. They flood our countries with immigrants to keep us struggling. And so the housing market does not implode. MPs have many investment properties to protect. Yeah, this is a really good point. If we did not have people coming in, then our economy would look much weaker than it looks right now, much weaker. And there would be no housing being sold. I, I think that there would be very little housing being sold if we didn't have people coming in um, at, the late, at the rate that we've got them. And the people coming in at the rate we've got them creates high demand for new rentals and things like that. So the construction, so if people stop coming in, the construction industry grinds to a halt. Houses stop being sold. So real estate people stop making good paychecks. Um, all sorts of other trades that serve houses like plumbers and electricians and all of the rest of it for building houses would lose work. All of those trades, drywallers would, would lose work because all the housing construction would stop because nobody would be buying because there wouldn't be any demand because holy effing crap, people would just be shell-shocked, right? I think. Um, and then they'd have to drop rates. They'd have to drop rates a lot. Prices would probably drop because the demand is not there. Um, if, if it's just the people in Canada right now who are going to be buying house, buying and selling houses, then things would change very, very quickly. And I think implode is is probably the right word, but it might balance for a little while. It might it might look like a huge correction for a little while, like drop ha- housing prices that are a million two now would drop to like four fifty. You know what I'm saying? Like a, like a huge haircut, forty a third, third two thirds, a lot, right? A lot. And if you drop that much, like that is that looks like a nightmare right on the on the sheets. But real estate's not to not supposed to increase threefold in a decade. Like that's a if if that's the return you're expecting to get on real estate, buy all the real estate you can afford. <laughs> all these folk, right? That's not supposed to do that. So it looks like a big correction, but a correction like that would be catastrophic, right? So implode that that's implode, right? So yeah. Anyway, it's not it's not out of the realm of plausible, I think. Punjab government and Canada reach informal agreement to increase worker employment opportunities. This is Punjabis in Canada working no student visa required or no no pretending that they're here for learning, they just want to work. In an unprecedented move, the Punjab government in Pakistan and Canada have reached an informal agreement to bolster employment opportunities for Punjabi workers in Canada. This understanding was forged during a crucial meeting between the caretaker chief minister of Punjab, Moshi 
Nakvi and the Canadian High Commissioner Leslie Shamlin. And I just scroll down. While details regarding the employment arrangement remain undisclosed, the anticipation is palpable. That means you can feel it in the air. The provincial government is planning for a formal signing of the agreement during the forthcoming visit. Which provincial government? The provincial government. Um, Further, the Canadian High Commission has communicated Canada's willingness to collaborate with the Punjab government across various sectors. As the world watches, developments are expected to be finalized in the near future, marking a significant step forward in the bilateral relationship between Canada and the Punjab government. So that's interesting indeed. Um, If these Punjab people have Canadian opportunities for employment, where do they live? Are we replacing foreign students with foreign workers? Probably. Maxime Bernier is responding to this headline, immigration minister urged to crack down on international students, no-shows at colleges. And uh, Maxime Bernier says, deport these fake students. An analysis by Statistics Canada in November found that around 19% of international students with study permits did not have a record of studying at college or university here. So there are a lot of people using this as just a way into the country and not actually coming to work. And well, the whole whole thing's a mess gigantic mess an absolute gigantic mess that is completely not tolerable and they're gonna they're gonna keep running this scam for a while because it's very profitable for universities it's very profitable for people who know hello everyone thanks very much for watching this is just a short version of a longer show if you'd like to get the whole show you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.